Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. I am so fortunate to have Miss Kapow back with me. Yeah, I'm very fortunate to be here. Thank you very much. You sound like Michael Jackson. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the date, please. The date is Friday, December 8th, 2017. Okay. And we have a good thing on the schedule today. We're going to talk mainly about artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Artificial intelligence... We can ignore it, we can poo-poo it, we can put it under the rug, we can say, nah, it's going to happen. It's already here. It's here, it's happening. It's weird stuff. It's, It's changing life as you know it, and it will continue until, who knows, Right, so we're going to talk about we're going to, that. We're going to talk about the rise of these smart machines. I know what is happening with all this technology. I know it's it's star. It really it, is disturbing. It's Star Tech, Miss Kapow. Comes from the stars. Comes from the fallen ones. Their advancements. Yep, yep. It's like you read a comment that one guy said. Um, yeah, the, f- the scariest thing about the AI. Is that it's being created by apes. <laughs> a bunch of knuckleheads. And then in that theme, we're going to talk about really robots, artificial intelligence, and how some apes are fighting for rights for these things. Mm-hmm. And very, that's very disturbing. Yeah. I mean, just the idea what the, the value they put on these things. Yeah. Exactly. It's some interesting experiments that they've done as far as um, how people feel about robots and, mm-hmm. you know, the rights. Exactly. And then uh, what that may mean in the future for parents who might be obligated legally to edit their child's genes. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Hitler. Hello, Mr. Hitler, eugenics. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk while we're talking about editing genes, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, marijuana, and how that is not your grandfather's weed anymore and what it's doing. So we're going to get into that. But first, a word from our sponsor, from Miss Kapow, the scriptures. All right. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I know that fooled you because I said from our sponsor. Yeah, it did. What I meant off. to say... Is like the scriptures sponsor the show. It's kind of like where I was going with it, but I flubbed. Oh. I flubbed bad. <laughs> okay. The first one is Revelation 4.11 that says, 
Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Then we go over to uh, my one of my favorite scriptures in Romans one eighteen through twenty five, where it says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that." which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, uncleanness through their lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know, that's an excellent scripture to use. Praise the Lord. It really is. And you know what? It's, it would have been hard for me to imagine or for me to put together that scripture with what we're going to talk about, but it it really does really apply to this. Yep. Yeah. So creating all this artificial intelligence, and we read you know, last week or a week before about how they, uh, some people want to make this a new religion. They want mm-hmm. to make gods out of it. There you have it. Crazy. So the first story we're going to talk about this uh, artificial intelligence. It's a Google supercomputer. Eh, Google. Google creates its own AI child. The yep. Google supercomputer creates its own AI child is what it reads that a Google supercomputer that is capable of outperforming humans. Da-da-da-da. So, so, Ms. Kapow, let's let the Terminator 800, the T-800, explain to everybody exactly what's going on. All right? All right. So let's bring in uh, the T-800. Woo, he's a big guy. Here he is. I need to know how Skynet gets built. Who's responsible? The man most directly responsible is Miles Bennett Dyson. Who is that? He's the director of special projects at Cyberdance Systems Corporation. Why him? In a few months, he creates a revolutionary type of microprocessor. Go on. Then what? In three years, Cyberdance will become the largest supplier of military computer systems. All stealth bombers are upgraded with Cyberdyne computers becoming fully unmanned. Afterwards, they fly with a perfect operational record. The Skynet funding bill is passed. The system goes online on August 4, 1997. Human decisions are removed from strategic defense. Skynet begins to learn at a geometric rate. It becomes self-aware at 2.14 a.m. Eastern Time, August 29th. In a panic, they try to pull the plug. Skynet fights back. Yes, it launches its missiles against the targets in Russia. Why attack Russia? Aren't they a friend now? 
because Skynet knows that the Russian counterattack will eliminate its enemies over here. Jesus. And there you have it. That's right from the horse's mouth, the T-800. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to happen. The dates might be a little off. I don't know. They could be right. I don't know. I don't know. But that's how it happens. It becomes alive, and uh, and then it's going to destroy all humanity. Mm. Okay? So anyway, Google. It's a tech giant. Google made this computer. And guess what its name is? NASNet. Yeah. Like nasty net. <laughs> nasty net. NASNet. And I just played a clip from the Terminator. I think it's the, the second one. Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. And the computer system that came alive was called Skynet. Yeah, isn't that something? And this one is NASNet. Mm-hmm. Ha! What a play on words. Yep. So this system name is name is NASNet, and it's able to identify objects such as people and cars in videos and in photos. Mm-hmm. According to studies, the Google brain can pick out these objects with an 82.7% accuracy rate. It's pretty good. Something the company says is better than any man-made AI system. Wow. And the AI breakthrough will have a huge impact on the entire field. (laughs) Experts have said the findings show automation is the key to creating the most accurate AI systems. Here's what that means. Artificial intelligence would actually create more artificial intelligence. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it multiplies. Yes. It has little AI children over and over again. NASNet itself was actually created earlier this year and it was called AutoML, AutoML. And that is an AI system capable of creating more learning programs. Kind of like little Lego blocks or building blocks or something. Yes. Yeah, exactly like that. So you have a computer system that's the foundation and then it builds on itself. And the Google Brain team, which developed the mother system, AutoML, said... We hope that the larger machine learning community will be able to build on these models to address multitudes of computer vision problems we have not yet imagined. So it's recreating itself. However, mm-hmm. there's ethical concerns. They've mm-hmm. been raised about the invention of such powerful machines. Yeah. Some people are not, you know, Elon Musk is one of those guys. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. Uh, he's just like. Because eventually what they want to do is is live forever. Yeah, they do. They don't want to die. And they think they can trans uh, transport their, their brains and their souls into this, you know, machine mm-hmm. type of object. Let me go on. Tech site Futurism reported. Here's what they say. What if AutoML creates systems so fast that society can't keep up? It's not very difficult to see how NASNet could be employed in automated surveillance systems in the near future, perhaps sooner 
then regulations could be put in place to control such systems. Yep. It would go out of control, basically. It's like that, um, was it Tom Cruise movie where he would play that future cop or whatever? Yeah, Minority Report. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. Where you have pre-crime unit because the oracles are, you know, imagining uh, who's going to do what. Now, here's this, this reptilian, Ray Kurzweil, who's Google's engineering director. He says, and we have to listen to him because he knows everything. He says that artificial intelligence will enhance the world. Mm-hmm. He says technology has always been a double-edged sword. Fire kept us warm, cooked our food, and burned down our houses. In other words, you know, he's equating this stuff to like fire. Mm-hmm. You know, well... We use fire. He's right. It keeps us warm. It cooks our food. It does all that stuff. Uh, do we really need artificial intelligence? Um, World War II, he says, two... Oh, yeah. He says, in World War II, 50 million people died. And that was certainly exasperated by the power of technology at the time. My view is not that artificial intelligence is going to displace us. It's going to enhance us. It does already. So obviously, this is the dude building the big supercomputers. Um, and so this is what he wants. This is where that scripture comes in. In verse 22, it says, Professing themselves to be wise, they have become fools. Yep, exactly. And this is his little God. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the other Google engineer who got a um, a tax-exempt church status yep. for his new Church of the Artificial Intelligence computer guy. Yeah, that's where they're going. Story number two that relates to it is from NBC News. Wow. Yeah. It's the rise of smart machines put spotlight on robot rights. She many crickets. Really, right? Ms. Capel? Uh-huh. Are computers on their way to becoming people? Well, because they've worshipped the creation instead of the creator. Ah. It always goes back to the truth of that scriptures, doesn't it? Yep. And oh. they are professing themselves to be wise and they become fools. And now they think machines should have rights. It wow. Is. Well, this article says that we wouldn't have any qualms about switching off, say, Siri, Apple's virtual assistant. In fact, I did. I can't stand Siri. Ugh, me neither. I can't stand something going, what was that? Can I help you? <laughs> no. No, you can't help me. Or Amazon's Alexa. Or Microsoft's Cortana. Such entities. I love it because they call them entities. Yeah. Such entities emulate a human assistant, but plainly aren't human. Duh. We sense that beneath the sophisticated software, there's nobody home. Yeah, because a lot of times it's stupid. You get stupid answers for things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't bother me. You know, I can. I can do it myself. But artificial intelligence is progressing swiftly, and they say that in the not too near distant future, that we may begin to feel that our machines have something um, akin to thoughts and feelings. And though they're made of metal and plastic rather than flesh and blood, you know? Little girls used to do that with their dolls. Yeah. Make believe. 
Yeah, you're right. Because they look like little humans, right? Mm -hmm. Little babies. Uh, If it was um, a milk carton, you probably wouldn't be treating it the same, right? Nope. So there is something there about how it looks. Mm -hmm. So I think they're right about that. When you have Siri on your Apple phone, eh, you you, kind of think of it differently than if it was a humanoid Mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, and it says when that happens, when we start thinking that, you know, they have feelings and stuff, when that happens, how we treat our machines will matter. Oh, it will matter. Philosophers and scholars. I don't know who these philosophers and scholars are, but apparently there's, uh, there's some out there that are already imagining a time when robots and intelligent machines may deserve may really deserve it and be accorded some sort of rights. Okay. Really? Really? These wouldn't necessarily be human rights. Well, then what kind of rights? Yeah. But if if you've got a computer or a robot that's autonomous and self-aware, I think it would be very hard to say it's not a person. Wow. Said Kristen Andrews, who is a philosopher... At the York, the York University in Toronto, Canada. And there's our philosopher. There's our philosopher and scholar right there. Oh. Kristen Andrews. Um, so so what, let me get this correct. So what she's saying is that if we have a machine or a robot that becomes autonomous and self-aware, it like starts writing its own code and talking mm-hmm. to me, like, so, like uh, Sophia from Hanson Robotics, that uh, it's going to be hard to say that's not a person. Well, it's not hard to say that's not a person. It's not a person. Yeah. It's not born a human. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? So this is like nuts. What does the scripture say? Thinking themselves to be wise, Mm -hmm. they became apes. (laughs) (laughs) Right? They became monkeys. Okay, so this raises a host of difficult questions. How should we treat a robot that has some degree of consciousness? What if we're convinced that an AI program has a capacity to suffer emotionally or to feel pain? Would shutting it off be town him out to murder? See that one series? <laughs> what was it called? Humanoids or something like that? Remember where um, they, they brought this robot that looked human? To the house. Oh, yeah. And the wife was really uncomfortable with it. So yeah. she was actually looked as the bad person. Yeah. And the kids and the, and the father were able to relate to this thing as a human. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. I yeah. think it was called humanoids, but I'm not sure. But that's kind of what this is all about. Yeah. Yeah. I know which one you're talking about. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, is it suffering pain? Has consciousness? So you can't just turn it off. You know, I'd be murdering it. Come, really. But you know what's sad is that these metal housing things have will have more rights, you know, human rights than a fetus. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you can kill those all day long. You know what I'm saying? All day long, yes. And that, I think, is ugh, disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to be able to kill this or turn it off. or Mm-mm. Yeah, you're going to have... Yeah. I mean, that's where they want to go with it. Whether mm-hmm. it, it happens or not, I don't know. You know, we heard uh, the T-800 explain that it's going to happen. So I, I kind of believe the T-800 because he came from the future. You know, he knows. 
An obvious comparison is to animal rights movement. These aren't animals. They're not living things. They're not living creatures. No, they don't have a conscience. No, they don't feel pain. It's a it's a computer. Mm-hmm. It's a machine. It doesn't feel pain. See how foolish they are? You can kick the tires of your car all day long and your car's not going to go, ah, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't anyway. Animal right advocates have been pushing for a reassessment of the legal status of certain animals, especially the great apes. Organizations like the Coral Springs, Florida-based non-human rights project, blah, 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 believe that, you know, the great apes should have more rights. So this dude... Stephen Wise, who leads the or that organization's legal team, says the same logic applies to any autonomous entity, living or not. Hmm. Wow. So if I can prove if I can prove that my rocks in front of my house uh, are self-aware, then they have rights. Notice his last name is Wise. <laughs> yes. And what's the scripture say? He's Thinking themselves foolish. to be. <laughs> If one day we have sentient robots, this guy says, we should have the same sort of moral and legal responsibilities towards them that we're in the process of developing with respect to non-human animals. Now, here's here's the problem I have with this guy. I don't think that he's in the business of animal protection and animal rights Mm-mm. for the pure purpose of protecting animals. No. I think he has the other agenda, and here it is. Mm-hmm. There's always something more sinister and evil behind this stuff. Is there not, Ms. Capel? Oh, you betcha. Of course, deciding which machines deserve moral consideration will be tricky. Because we often project human thoughts and feelings onto inanimate entities, kind of like you said about the dolls. Mm -hmm. And so we end up sympathizing with entities that have no thoughts or feelings at all. Now... Oh, case in point, those stupid sex dolls. Exactly. Exactly. You know, there's there's been these blow up, you know, those little blow up dolls. They've had those for years. You know that that uh, you know men could buy at uh, those porn shops or whatever. Mm-hmm. No one looked at that as an entity or having um, conversations with it or anything like that, right? It was right. a blow up doll. But now that they're making these robots, these synthetics, and they talk back mm-hmm. and they move or whatever they do. Now they're thinking they're human. These these weird dudes are uh, marrying them, them. Yeah, they're marrying them, taking them on picnics, buying them Valentine presents. Oh, come on. Yeah. Now, grant, granted, you know, there's not a lot of guys doing that, but you you read, hey, if there's only two of them doing that, that's enough. Yeah. You know, you, you've got a problem. So th- that's a big industry. That's going to be huge. Well, what about those silicon babies? <clears throat> oh, those are creepy. Yep. But women are buying them and treating them like real babies. Yes, I forgot the name of that company. I don't remember either. Uh, but we saw videos of this company that make infants out of silic- silicone. Yep. And they're, they're I mean, you're hard-pressed to realize that they're, they're not real mm-hmm. uh, infants. And it's creepy because it shows these women taking them to the store, pushing them in strollers. Mm-hmm. Ch- well, you can imagine what other things are done with them, right? Yep. Yep. Come on, folks. You know, I mean, really... Thinking themselves to be wise, they became stupid. Mm-hmm. Is that what the Word of God says? Mm-hmm. They became apes, monkeys. Uh, do you remember this robot developed by Boston Dynamics? Uh, it looked like a four-legged. It didn't really look like a dog, but it was on on fours, yeah, like a I dog. Do. Yeah, and uh, his name was Spot. All that stuff. 
And they did a video. I watched this video several times. And this company, Boston Dynamics, they did this video of this uh, robot. And what they what they did is at some point, the guy running the robot was kicking it, mm. right? To show that it could it could regain its balance. <laughs> you know, they would it would try to throw the, the robot off the machine off and it would regain its balance. And that was the idea behind it. You know, it was quite remarkable to see this thing, you know, um, gather itself up. Mm-hmm. But when people saw it and they saw this guy kicking this robot that was on all fours like a dog, but it didn't look like a dog. It looked like a robot on all fours. People, for the ethical treatment of animals, PETA, yep. issued a statement describing its treatment as inappropriate. That's true. Can you believe that? And some people really got upset when they mm-hmm. saw this. Mm-hmm. Yet it, it would be just like a guy kicking his tractor, you know, or driving driving his Jeep on steep rocks to show how he could grab a rock and not tip over. It, it means it's the same thing. Yep. Kate Darling, she's a researcher at the MIT Media Lab in Massachusetts. She saw something very interesting when she studied how people interact with a toy dinosaur robot named uh, Playo. He's a he's a little toy he's a little toy robot, but he looks like a dinosaur. Playo doesn't look lifelike at all. It looks like a, just a little rubber thing. Yeah, it's obviously a toy. You can see it, but it's programmed to act and speak in ways. That suggests it has a form of intelligence, wow. kind of like our politicians, mm-hmm. but also the ability to experience suffering. Now, it, it doesn't experience suffering. You got to understand it. It doesn't. It just says it does. So if you hold Plio upside down, it will whimper and tell you to stop. Oh, for the love of stop. Quit holding it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a little programmed machine. So in an effort to see just how far we might go in extending compassion to simple robots, this researcher encouraged participants at a recent workshop to play with a little dinosaur. And then she asked them to destroy it. You're playing with this little dinosaur going, and then they go, okay, now kill it, destroy it, just take it apart. You're not killing it, you're just taking it apart. And the research showed that almost all had refused to do it. Wow. People are primed. This is what she says. People are primed subconsciously to treat robots like living things, even though on a conscious level, on a rational level, we totally understand that they're not real. I think that's some serious research there. Yeah. And they use that against us, you see. A- absolutely. And and uh, who's the father of lies? Uh, Satan. Yeah. Who's the God who has blinded people satan who's the one that comes as an angel of light and deceives satan yeah and so now because it's a little little dinosaur it goes ah, please stop turn me right side up and then you're you're told to destroy it so i can't destroy it it's a living thing it's like a little pet or something but it's not you know wow take a hammer and destroy it have some fun Ah, uh, so 
See, all of this stuff is from precept to precept to precept. Yes. Because we can go back in time and see how they laid out this foundation or Satan laid out this foundation. Yeah. It builds, mm-hmm. doesn't it? It builds. Well, neither plieo nor spot can feel pain. Darling, the researcher, believes it's worth paying attention to how we treat these entities. I love the way they call them entities. Mm-hmm. Because it's not an entity, it's just, it's a computer chip. If it is disturbing to us to behave violently towards them, she says, if there's something that feels wrong about it, maybe that's a piece of our empathy that we don't want to turn off because it could influence how we treat other living things. Now, isn't that the most dumbest thing? It is. It is. Because like you said, these are the same people who go out and abort a baby. Exactly. You know. Or kill their neighbor or do whatever. Treat people very inhumanely. Mm-hmm. And this is the key question raised by the TV series Westworld. In which guests at a theme park are encouraged to treat ultra lifelike humanoid robots however they please. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just watched the original one with uh, Yul Brynner mm-hmm. not too long ago. Because Miss Kapow never saw it. And so we uh, we saw that. And uh, it's quite quite an amazing piece of uh, work there um, about this exact same topic. So for now, mistreating a little dinosaur or any other existing robot is no crime as long as you're the owner, right? Mm-hmm. But what about mistreating a bot that we believe really had some form of consciousness? And how would we be able to tell if a machine has had a mind in the first place? I mean, when did your car become alive, right? Exactly. So computer science pioneer Alan Turing pondered this question half a century ago. The way Turing saw it, we can never know for sure what a machine is feeling or experiencing. So our best bet is simply to see if we can carry on a conversation with it, just as if it were human, what we now call the Turing test. And that's what they do with this this robot, this Sophia thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so they say, given the complexity of human conversation, building a machine capable of engaging us in a lengthy verbal exchange is a daunting task. But if we could build such a machine, Turing argued, we ought to treat it as though it's a thinking, feeling being. Really? (laughs) Really? Just because it could communicate with us, it's now a thinking, living being? That's crazy. That's nuts. Wow. Here's a guy who's a rabbi. Also a law professor. He's reached a similar conclusion. If an entity acts human, he wrote recently, I cannot start poking it to see if it bleeds. Oh, for the love of pizza. Yeah. He's an Atlanta-based rabbi. I have a responsibility to treat all that seem human as humans. And it is better to err on the side of caution from an ethical perspective. Uh, Sure. I'm sure you treat everybody just fine, Mr. Uh, Goldfitter. The obvious conclusion is that rights ought to be accorded not on the basis of biology, but on something even more fundamental, personhood. You see where this is going? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not a big anti-Christ beast guy. I have my own personal feelings about what the beast system is and anti-Christ or, you know, or that person that uh, many call an antichrist. But if you were to subscribe to that kind of stuff, uh, wouldn't this make a great 
antichrist person, right? Oh, good night. They can do all the, the miracles, they can do all the stuff. And then the AI, having AI children, right? The false prophets could then force others to worship the original beast, the original mm-hmm. dragon, right? You know, it, who, it gets its power from where? Uh, the dragon. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's Satan possessed. It's Satan possessed. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives it its intelligence. It's sentient. It becomes Skynet. Yeah. You know, and I'm just spitballing here. But, you know, if you were to go in that route, you could see something like that, you know, kind of happening there. This this rabbi is just kind of laying it out, isn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, if it starts, if it starts acting human, let's go worship it. <laughs> you know. Stupid. Yeah. You know, that the rights are not based on biology, but personhood. So whatever you call a person. So if we wind up recognizing some intelligent machine as a person, what legal rights would we be obliged to bestow on it? Mm-hmm. You know, so if we could pass the Turing test, if we could feel that we could, you know, uh, it would deserve at least the right to continue uh, of existence. Yep. But there's another philosopher, a guy named Robert Sparrow. Robert Sparrow. He's in Australia. And he thinks that's just the beginning. He says, what happens if a machine's mind is even greater than a human's? In a piece that appeared recently on thecritique.com, he wrote, indeed, not only would it be just as wrong to kill a machine that could pass the Turing test as to kill an adult human being, but depending on the uh, capacities of the machine, it might even be more wrong. <gasps> really? It's more wrong to kill a, a machine that's more intelligent than a human than it would to be killed on a human. <laughs> that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. I don't make this up, folks. Do I need to play the Terminator again? Please don't force me to play the Terminator again. Because he talks about the computer. Sarkana. He's talking to Sarkana about a computer, and I can't hear it. Okay. Maybe that makes sense from the perspective of pure logic, but Ryan Kahlo, this guy's an expert in robotics and cyber law. (laughs) Okay. Cyber law. He works here at the University of Washington, Seattle. He says our laws are unlikely to bend that far. Our legal system reflects our basic biology. He says if we one day invent some sort of artificial person, it would break everything about the law as we understand it today. Okay. Okay. Uh, And it goes on. They want to, you know, that's where it's, they want to go with that. So it's not too far-fetched to imagine that those interests might include continued existence, in which case we might want to think twice before reaching for the off button. Creepy, huh? Very creepy. Creepy, huh? Uh, I'm going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back. Okay? Okay. You are listening to the Kapow Radio Show Network. Kapow stands for Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. Kapow is sponsored by Fifth Hook Media, a digital publisher of ebooks. FifthHookMedia.com has a selection of ebooks about spiritual warfare and Christian living. Visit FifthHookMedia.com. That's F I F T H O O K Media.com. Remember, that's FifthHookMedia.com. F I F T H O O K. Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, changed the way my spouse and I conduct spiritual battle and has increased our alertness level to the tactics of Satan. Please do not be fooled that such things cannot happen to you. Rather, get prepared. 
and become the spiritual warrior needed to overcome in these perilous times in which we all live. Okay, we're back. You know, and that little Kapow man is not a sentient being, so I could turn him off anytime. Yeah, and we won't cry over it. I won't cry about it. And here's the next step, Ms. Kapow, on all this stuff about uh, professing to be wise and being a monkey. Mm-hmm. This is from sciencenews.org. Oh. So it has to be true. Yes. Because it's very... Serious. It's scientific. Parents may one day be morally obligated to edit their baby's genes. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't want to have any bad kids running around there. And if you know your kid's going to be, you know, messed up in some way, crisper the thing. Just crisper it Mm -hmm. and edit its genes. Yeah. A doctor explains to a young couple that he has screened the pair's in vitro fertilized embryos (laughs) and selected those that had no major inheritable diseases. The couple had specified they want a son with hazel eyes, dark hair, and fair skin. Then the doctor announces that he has also taken the liberty of eliminating the burden of genetic propensities for baldness, (laughs) nearsightedness, alcoholism, obesity, and domestic violence. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Those things are all lumped into one. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't he didn't get rid of gayness and stupidity and, you know, bad driving or lawlessness. Yeah, okay. The the prospective mother replies that they didn't want those revisions. I mean, diseases, yes, but her husband jumps in to say, "We were just wondering if it's good to leave a few things to chance." But the doctor reminds the would-be parents why they came to him in the first place. They want to give their child the best possible start. Mm-hmm. Now check this out. What I just read to you, Miss Kapow, mm-hmm. is a scene from the movie Gattaca. Mm-hmm. And I remember it prom- that movie? Yes, Gattaca. We should watch that again. Okay. And it premiered twenty years ago in October. Twenty years ago. Science fiction. Uh huh. But thanks to recent advances in gene editing, tools such as CRISPR, Cas9, genetic manipulation of human embryos is becoming a reality. Mm-hmm. Now, because they said becoming a reality, that means it's already a reality. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't be exposing it right now no. if it wasn't. The, go- the Goya just got this. So, you know, it's already here. Soon, designer babies like those described in the film may become even more or morally mandatory. Morally mandatory. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to have these uh, bald kids. No, around. you don't want bald kids, especially at age 10. <laughs> Who wants a bald 10-year-old with hazel eyes? Yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody yeah. wants that. I shudder that. to think. No. Gattaca's narrator tells us that such genetic manipulation of all in vitro fertilized embryos has become the natural way of giving birth. Mm-hmm. In the near future portrayed in the film, it has also created an underclass of people whose parents didn't buy those genetic advantages for their children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, get it. Mm-hmm. An underclass. If you said, no, I just want to have a human kid as it is, 
Now, those become the slaves, right? It almost mm-hmm. reminds you of today. Have you watched the news recently? Have you seen the newscasters? Have you seen celebrities and famous people, how they look? Yep. Who's, who's telling you what to believe today? Other humans? Mm-hmm. Who's telling us what to believe and what's going on? Who's giving us the agenda? Mm. I call them synthetics. Mm-hmm. Until recently, that sort of fiddling with human DNA is only science fiction and allegory. A warning against a new kind of eugenics that could pit the genetic haves and have-nots against each other. Right, Hitler? Right. Yeah. Uh, The big question is whether parents have a moral obligation to make better babies through genetic engineering. You have a moral obligation. Technology that can precisely change a baby's genes is quickly becoming the reality. This year, scientists reported using CRISPR-Cas9 in viable human embryos to fix, folks, to fix mutations that cause heart and blood disorders. They're fixing it. CRISPR-Cas9 acts as a molecule scissors that goes in there and manipulates the DNA, and then they've honed it and developed it, and everybody's happy. Right? Mm -hmm. Should we be? And for many people, the fear of a class of genetically enhanced people is reason enough to not tinker with the DNA of the human germline, egg, sperm, embryos, and the cells that give rise to eggs and sperm. By all means, correct diseases, these folks say, but don't add extras or meddle with characteristics that don't have anything to do with that health. Sure. That's like buying a car, right? Give me the wheels, give me the steering wheel, but, you know, I'll just use my uh, left arm to roll down the window. I don't want those electric uh, windows, Mm. right? When everybody else around you has the electric windows, you know, or the V8, and you got a little uh, four-banger. Wow. Yeah. There's a panel of ethicists that convened, and they were convened by the U.S. National Academies of Medicine and Science, and they also staked out that position. They ruled that human germ line engineering might someday be permissible for correcting diseases, but only, only if there are no alternatives and not for enhancements. Sure. But the question, sure, the question, should we, may not matter much longer. No. As science advances and people become more comfortable with gene editing, laws prohibiting tinkering with embryos will fall. It will end up to prospective moms and dads to decide for themselves. Will editing a baby's genes be mandatory, the kind of thing you're supposed to do? That's some scary stuff, you know what I mean? Yep. Think about it. Think about it. Uh, this one guy, he uh, Julian Savulisku, he's an ethicist at the University of Oxford. So, you know, he's very smart. He has a beard. He scratches that beard as he ponders. And a whiteboard. Yeah, he has a whiteboard, and he ponders questions. And he says the answer is yes, that parents are, in fact, morally obligated to take steps to keep their children healthy. And he says that includes vaccinating them and giving them medicine when they're ill. Genetic technologies are no different, he argues. Really? Hmm. If these techniques couldn't make children resistant to infections, cancer, or diabetes, then parents have an obligation to use them. You can see this. Mm -hmm. You can see this. For now, he cautions, CRISPR's safety and efficacy haven't been established, so parents shouldn't subject their children to the risk, right, for now. 
And he also points out that this sort of editing would also require in, in vitro fertilization. Of course. Which sometimes is very costly for people. And couples could pretty much forget about having the perfect baby through sexual intercourse. Eh. Designer darlings would have to be created in the lab. Now, come on. How fun is that? Huh? Now, that's that's good for date night. You know, you go out on a date, you have a nice dinner, see a movie, and you go, what are we doing now? We're going to the lab, sweetheart. <laughs> We're going to make ourselves a genetically perfect little robot synthetic baby filled with demonic entities mm-hmm. with no soul. Maybe yeah. you'll have pitch black eyes. Uh, so it goes on and goes on. It's um, it's nuts. It is nuts. The uh, there's this one guy. He he has this term. He calls it gen genobility, genobility, like nobility, mm-hmm. genobility. That's genetically enhanced people. And he's saying that would increase already staggering levels of inequality. Wow. Wow. It's the Gataka objection I often hear, you know, from that movie. Wow. Mm -hmm. He acknowledges it could create even greater inequalities. There's no doubt about that. Whenever money is involved, people who have more of it can afford better treatments, diets, and healthier lifestyles, and disparities will exist. However, this is not inevitable. And, of course, some countries with national health care systems like Obamacare could provide such services for free. For free. Wouldn't yeah. cost you a dime to make your stupid kid much smarter than what he would be if he just had it naturally. Mm-hmm. Right? You got anything to yell about, Ms. Kapow, about that? No. It's, I think you've said it enough. Yeah. Disgusting. Okay. So, on that line, the same, we're talking about genetic modification last story for all you dopers out there all you marijuana smokers there's a mysterious condition dubbed scromidine scromidine and it hits weed smokers across the united states and causes them to vomit and scream ain't that something yeah can you imagine screaming while you're vomiting it would sound something like that yuck this ain't Folks, this is not an ordinary scream either. I'm going to read to you what this screaming's about. It's totally demonic. Because when you're taking this stuff now, it's not your grandfather's marijuana. It's not the hemp. It's not the hemp plant that just grew wild that had THC in it and got you buzzed. It's not that no more. It's modified. That's why you can take medical marijuana and they can say, oh, you got headaches? Take this. This will get rid well, of the Well, that's why they legalized it and made it easy for you to obtain it. Yeah. And they encourage you to, to smoke it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, everywhere. <laughs> so many. I don't know about you guys, you know, where you live or legalized where you live. You wouldn't believe the, the, the people. Almost. I mean, there's a lot percentage that. Uh, mm-hmm. They use this stuff yep. all the time. It's just not a big deal. And there's laws about using it in public. But right. you know how that is. Yeah, Alcohol, right. uh, drinking, and, and, and driving, all, there's a law against that. But you see people doing that all the time. Yeah. Right. I see him vaping all the time. You look at your mirror. Oh, yeah. You look at this guy. He's vaping in his car. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, and these are old folks, too. Scromidine is becoming an all-too-familiar sight at emergency rooms. It's called scromidine. The condition called... 
cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome or CHS is not yet properly understood. You know why? Because it's demons. Mm -hmm. Medical experts believe the symptoms appear from individuals using or consuming heavy amounts of marijuana over a long period of time. That's that's misleading. It's mm-hmm. st- studies have shown it's 2 to 3 years uh 2 to 3 times a day. Yep. That's heavy use. Mm-hmm. Doctors note that condition the condition could stem from the body being oversaturated by cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. <laughs> God, it's hard to say. Affecting the hypothalamus. Yep. And Dr. Amy Mullen said she has seen a rise in cases in Cuckoo-fornia since it's been legalized last November. They're already nuts in Cuckoo-fornia. Give them a little dope and they go crazy. Yep. Chronic cannabis users are at risk of experiencing a horrifying, horrifying, horrifying new condition that is being reported at hospitals across the country. It's called scrometing. Mm-mm. People, you don't want to be around somebody who's scrumming on you. Doctors say it's becoming an all too familiar sight at emergency rooms. Uh, they don't understand it. They don't quite get it. But they have seen a rise in the emergency rooms. Now, check this out. This gal named Chalfonte mm-hmm. Lady Queen. She's 48 years old. And here's what she told NPR after experiencing scrometing. Now, they call it an illness. Is that really an illness? No. When you're doing it to yourself? Okay. Here's what she says. She says, I've screamed out for death. Now, is that, is that normal? Nope. I mean, you, you smoke some dope and you get a little and you're screaming out for death? You want to die? You're screaming? Now, check this one out. Here's the one. You need to keep in mind. She says, I've cried out for my mom who's been dead for 20 years, mentally not realizing she can't come to me. Mm. Wow. Wow. So as she's screaming, that's what I said. It's not just a normal scream. It's just not like, I heard. ah." It's she, this lady was screaming out for her dead mother, 20 Mm -hmm. years dead. And in her mind, when she's going through it, she had no realization that she couldn't come to her, that she wasn't, that she wasn't there. Right. Crying out for the dead. It's called necromancy. And she had an, she was living in other reality. Yeah. From legalized marijuana use. What a great idea. You know, this was all for, you know, people's benefit. Mm-hmm. It's all for your benefit. It's good for you. Well, you know what? It's not the natural implant plant it used to be. Just like tobacco's mm-hmm. not the tobacco leaf it used to be. Or coca leaf. Yep. You know, the Andy Indians up to this day still chew on coca leaf. It helps them get through their hard life that they live up there. But when you start putting gasoline and kerosene and lye and, and, and you start mixing paste out of it and make cocaine. Mm-hmm. And you make crack cocaine out of it. It's not the same thing as that original coca leaf. No. Nope. The same thing what they've done to our food. GMO food is not real food. It's not real corn. There's no real corn. There's no real soy. How about an apple? 
Put put an apple in your uh, crisper and see how many years it lasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll last a year or more. It's amazing. So there's little research has been conducted on scrometing, but one study found that uh, scrometing to occur, that cannabis users would have to consume marijuana three to five times per day. That's not a lot when you're a dope head, Mm-mm. when you need to just stay medicated. That's not a lot. In one study, the average duration of cannabis use prior to onset of recurrent vomiting was 3.4 years. See, we're going to start seeing some really oh, crazy yeah. things yeah. from uh, this um, new marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. That study was done by the National Center for Biotechnology Information. Mm-hmm. Just under three and a half years of use. The syndrome was first described in 2004 by Allen and colleagues and is characterized by chronic cannabis use, cyclic episodes of nausea and vomiting, and the learned behavior of hot bathing. I never heard about this. Mm-mm. Hot bathing. Apparently what happens is um, people feel compelled to take like a hot bath or hot shell. It, it relieves some of the, the symptoms or something. Mm-hmm. So medical experts note that the condition could stem from the body being oversaturated by uh, cannabinoids, chemical compounds, you know, that kind of stuff. They believe it, it affects the function of the hypothalamus, regulates digestion, body temperature. So I don't know why they take hot baths. Maybe they're, they got, they're, they're chilly or something. In Colorado, Dr. Keenan Hurd, he's an emergency physician at the University of Colorado in Aurora, said they are diagnosing more cases, more cases. And he says uh, chronic users uh, have already been using medical marijuana way before it was legalized in 2012. So, mm-hmm. according to this, um, this study, the National Center of Biotechnology Information, They say often mistakenly called cyclical vomiting syndrome, cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome is a rare form of cannabinoid toxicity that develops in chronic smokers. So it's toxic. Mm -hmm. The original hemp plant wasn't toxic. Wow. And here's its characterization. It's cyclic episodes of debilitating. Wow. Nausea and vomiting, debilitating. And then people who suffer from it often find that hot showers relieve their symptoms and will compulsively bathe during episodes of nausea and vomiting. Can you imagine that what that bathtub looks like? Yeah. Oh, you're just taking a hot bath in your own puke. Oh, no, no, no. Screaming no, no, for no, your no. dead mother. Poochie. And then symptoms stop after they quit using the dope. Go figure. Yeah. Um, I think it's genetically modifying people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I think it's it's doing something to the the core cellular level of mm-hmm. our human genome. And that's why your body's rejecting it. Yeah. And you're throwing up and yeah. God Just, knows what else. It's making you stupider than what you already are. You know, that's why you're using it. Uh, that's all the negative stuff I have to say. 
Yeah. Other than that, the world is pretty good. Other than that, I can't <laughs> complain. I can't complain. Everything is great. I got a pot roast going. Uh, it's a nice, brisk, cool day. The wind's kind of blowing at uh, 15 miles per hour. Ah, what the heck? <laughs> All right. Um, give them a chow. Chow, baby. Chow.